0: Recovery, that's like my upbringing here. I've been in recovery for 20-something years, recovery from alcohol and drugs. So a lot of times I like to frame it that way. That's the way I've seen it. When something occurred to me, I looked through those glasses and everything was different, what I looked at and where I looked from. So uh, in recovery, we talk a lot about the root of the problem, which is they would call it obsession with self, yes? So obsession with self is the root of the problem. But over the years, uh, when something occurred with me, I realized that wasn't the problem, that it's actually what I call an identification as self. And the feeling I'm talking about self implies is that you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yes? A long-lasting, separate, independent entity, a body. So when the identification as self, which is a verb, A mental process is doing. A mental process is verbing. I call it selfing. And in the verb, if your if your attention and interest is wedded to that verb, it implies a noun. Yeah. So, let's just say. So the obsession with self that a lot of people have difficulty with. The obsession with self would be represented in a lot of ways, but one of them is how mind represents the day to you, yes? It constantly represents what seemingly has happened over and over again, yes? Sometimes at night, you see it from 50 different points of view, but all those views are coming from one system called self-centeredness, yeah? So I believe the act of real verbing is a thing called selfing, and when that selfing's in place, the obsession with self is, is the reinforcement of that. So the mind, conditioned into believing it's a self, what it does is it thinks about it a lot. Yeah? And if you look at your own thoughts, when you are, and my thoughts, when it's about you, how does your thoughts present you? When you're thinking about you, let's say in the past, how do your thoughts present you? As a body, though, isn't it? So when I think about me a year ago, I'm picturing myself as a body, yes? And when I'm worried about what's gonna happen to me in the future, I'm really worried about what's gonna happen to a body, yeah? So the thought system that most of us are relying on, I like to call it self-centeredness, how it presents you, how it holds you is as a body, yes? As a body, so when you're a body, you can constantly appear somewhere and sometime in the mind. Yeah? So past and future, which are just mental realms, become a place where you appear in. Yes, Because you as a body can appear somewhere and sometime that's not now. Yeah? So the mind thinks about you as a body somewhere and sometime. This to me is the obsession with self. And the thing is, Let's say you have a thought, yeah? A thought comes by. Have you noticed that a thought is like you see it and you hear it, yeah? It's sort of like if I was looking out the window and I saw a bird fly by, I'd see the bird if my eyes were open. Well, the mind sees thoughts. Like in Buddhism, they call the mind the sixth sense, yeah? There's the hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling, and then there's seeing thoughts, yeah? So the mind is like an organ, like the eye would see a bird. The mind sees thoughts, Yes? So that idea of, so there, there's the sense of conscious contact that we're all in. Right now, that's what we, our experience is comprised of, is comprised of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and then seeing thoughts about the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Yes? So that's conscious contact. Now, the first thing the selfing does is it claims the conscious contact, and now you become the seer. You become the hearer. You become the feeler. You and I become the taster and the toucher. And like Buddha said, supposedly said, who knows what he said. It was like 300 years after he passed that they wrote stuff about him. But in, in Buddhism, there's a beautiful statement by, by Buddha, which is he says, when seeing, see. When hearing, hear. When feeling, feel. When tasting, taste. When touching, touch. Yes? It's, or smell. It's so beautiful because that's the conscious contact. They're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Now the mental process that produces the sense of self, and you and I are a production of, of a mental process. When you were a baby for the first few months, you did not have a sense of a self. Yeah, You didn't have a sense of an other or a self. We grew into the sense of being a self. Yeah? It's a mental process that produces the product of feeling like you're a self. That's why it's called selfing. So here's this mental process. One of its first movements in the mental process is it claims the conscious contact. Instead of just witnessing or being aware of the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching of the verb of being here, it says, I'm the one who's seeing, I'm the one who's hearing, I'm the one who's feeling, I'm the one who's tasting, I'm the one who's thinking. Yeah? So now the conscious contact, which is what brings us a life, is now claimed as a body doing it. So the verb of living, the verb of being, which is all I believe is happening here, is all verbing, the mental process starts sticking nouns in there. And the first noun is really incredible. It takes... It takes the claiming, if you want to call seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, conscious, contact, God. It plays God with God. So the godliness of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, the mental process claims it and says, I'm the seer. I'm hearing. I'm feeling. And as soon as it claims a seeing or a hearing or a feeling, it immediately selfs like crazy about it. I didn't want to see that. I would rather see something else. I wish I didn't feel the way I'm feeling now. I wish I was feeling like the way I felt then. And I'm hoping that in the future I won't feel like I'm feeling now. All of this is selfing. And you know why? And it seems very difficult to break the attention and interest from it. Why? Because the attention and interest goes to whatever you believe to be is you. If you take yourself to be a self, you're going to be exceedingly interested in you as a self. It's simple as this. We use it all the time. Let's say there's a room over here and there's a woman I'd like to have, a, let's say, a biblical relationship with yeah, in that other room. And I don't want to really ask her out because I'm afraid of rejection. So I want to see her to have my bet hedged. So I'm trying to listen to what she's saying because I'm hoping she's going to talk about me. Yeah. You you were all (laughs) self-centered. So here I am sitting here, and I'm supposed to be doing a talk, (laughs) but my attention and interest is way in that room, like X-ray, like Superman. I'm trying to listen to this conversation. And people say, hey, Paul, you're supposed to be doing this talk. And I agree with you, but I can't seem to help myself, yeah? Because she has a very big meaning for me. She's going to save me. She's going to have my first child. (laughs) all this meaning makes it very important that I hear what she has to say someone comes by and throws a book How to Lose Interest in Conversations in Other Rooms I page through it doesn't seem to work, I put the book down and then I'm still listening and suddenly she starts talking and she starts talking about Matt now my name is Paul Yeah. as soon as I hear that she's talking about Matt what happens? I lose interest immediately in the conversation. I do not have to take a workshop on how to lose interest. I don't have to go on a retreat. As soon as it's not about me, yeah, I lose interest. This is exactly what happens with selfing. The whole reason why your interest and attention is bonded to the idea of all that mental activity is because there's a belief it's you. Yeah? Once you entertain it's not you, you will lose interest in it. And you do not lose interest, you lose interest in something yeah you don't lose interest interest and attention if you really believe what's living here is it it's more your interest and attention than the body your interest and attention is what brings about a life yeah so when that's broken from the obsession with being a self yeah, your interest and attention Leaves that black hole of selfing, or like for us, most of us, we're up the ass of self, yeah, really big. Our interest, attention, is way up there. So that pops out, and when it pops out, you're awake suddenly, and you feel what it's like to be here, which is there's a presence, yes, because the word isn't past and will and futurance. It's a presence. The only possibility of the presence is presence, yes, and you feel it. Not even immediately. That would be too long of time. It's just instantaneously because what's so is always so. It's timeless. Yeah? It never wasn't so. It's never gonna be so. It's always so. Yeah? So the solution has nothing to do with any process or practice because that's of time. Yeah? And if you look at how people talk about a spiritual journey, what goes on a journey? A body. What goes on a journey is a body. Spirit does not go on a journey because where was spirit starting from and where wasn't it the whole trip? There's no way you can locate it because it's formless. Yeah? So most people's their minds telling a story about a spiritual life and it just sounds like a body traveling. It's an identification as a body, and if a body tries to get spiritual, it's pointless. It's the recognition, I'm not that, that it doesn't become an experience, spirituality, it becomes a state. Yes. With nothing, see, if it was based on you, you'd never get there. Yeah. (laughs) You'd be always moving the goalposts. Your mind would play God. We talk in recovery, the biggest dilemma in recovery is to quit playing God. It doesn't work. Well, how does your mind play God? Doesn't it tell... When you want to know God, who tells you how good you're doing? Does God tell you? Or does it you tell you? Yeah? Who tells you you're getting close? Does God? And who is it... So here's God who's supposedly everywhere, and you don't like the word God, just whatever you want to use. But (laughs) who's going to inform you when you know God? Is God going to inform you you know God, like as if he can overpower you? Or is it you that informs you if you're getting to know God? Which is the God? What's playing God then? You or God? So the whole point with the idea of being a self, as soon as an object is taken to be a subject, (laughs) Yes? that everything else gets thrust into a position of being an object to this subject. That's why enlightenment, the way people entertain it at times, or read it, or, read it, or think about it, or hold it when they hear it, it's as if it's an object that you're going to get. Yeah? That I'm, as the subject, I'm going to get this object called enlightenment, and it's going to give me, as, a, as the subject, an advantage. Yeah? So I'm going to be enlightened, or I'm going to be awake. Yes? So it becomes an experience or something that you can get. Yeah? And if you can believe you can get something, you will definitely lose it. Yeah? Because as soon as you become the subject and everything gets thrust into an object, you become the dualism in duality. Yeah? You become the dualism in duality. So if you believe that there's an object called enlightenment, then it's definitely not where you're at. And therefore, you have to take a journey to arrive there. And even this idea of being a non-seeker is the same thing as being a seeker. It's identification with both, yes? So the point for me was, when I've lost interest in the idea of being self, I saw it as a foreign installment, yes? And when it's seen as a foreign installment, the first thing the mind can entertain is that it can be free from it. But most of us are trying to entertain being free as it, yes? Because we're identified as self, and when you're identified as self, you don't know you're identified as self. That tells you that you're identified as self. <laughs> if there's a feeling that you're not identified as self, that's the identification of self. I needed to hear it from some outside source, and I was practicing up the wazoo spirituality. I was meditating, to going to Vipassana, staying in jungles in Thailand 14 hours a day. It was fucking insane. Yeah. All the while all the while the template over all the behavior was I was a long lasting independent separate entity that was doing things to get something. Yes? Yeah? So I was meditating. I was the subject and the meditation was the verb and the object that I was meditating on was let's say breath. Yeah. This is like You can't get out of self as a self, it's impossible. The only, it's the only solution to an imaginary problem is to realize it's imaginary. That's the only solution. If there's any more application of solutions to the imaginary problem, that's the bigger problem. If there's any more applications of solutions to an imaginary problem, why does it make that imaginary problem? It makes it real. To who? You. Yes? It's not real, but it's real to you. Yeah? So instead of seeing life is happening, life is seen as it's happening to me. Yeah? As soon as it's about you, everything that occurs pertains to you. And it's not even you. Yeah. And your mind tells a story, just putting nouns all through all the verbs, yeah? Instead of sensing the seeing, hearing, feeling, it's always I'm the one who seeing. you. I'm the one who's hearing. I'm the one who's feeling. It's like, who here can take a shit when you want to? Yes? Who has even, you know, perfected that incredible yoga sita that you can take a shit when you want to? Yeah? I mean, usually, I I would have loved to have not taken shits on Indian trains, you know. (laughs) But I had to go, go to the bathroom quite a lot. It was unbearable. So here, what about Digestion. We just ate some food. Let's say, if, what, do I, if I was the digester, it would be in line, be, you know, the burrito that I had earlier would be in front of it, and there was the pizza I had last Saturday. And there would be a big lineup. When I'm, where am I going to get to this digestion? You know, i got a huge amount of stuff to digest. Or I'm pumping my heart. If I was in charge of that, I'd be dead, Yeah. If I was the one, hey, oh, I forgot, Jesus Christ, that's it. I missed it only once. It's done. Or the blood circulating in my body. Yeah. (laughs) But the head, you have a feeling it's you doing it, isn't it? Isn't that the feeling? Isn't it the feeling? And can you imagine when you, let's say, there's these uh, These grosser activities, I usually use an example, I probably won't now, I don't know you well enough, I probably won't. But there's these grosser examples (laughs) of uh, the bodily functions that you have absolutely nothing to do with, yet when it occurs, you think you're the one who took the shit. Yes. But here, that whole idea is raised to the level of a very subtle level of thinking, and you actually believe you're the thinker of the thoughts? thoughts aren't driving anyone crazy. My thoughts drive you crazy. My, the MY to me, exemplifies the movement of what I call the disease of self-centeredness. It's the active identification as a self. So instead of seeing thinking, you see thinking as a thinker. Yes? Instead of just seeing feelings, you see, you hold feelings as I'm the one who felt it. Yeah? I'm the one who heard it. I'm the one who did this. And so when an action happens through this thing, it's immediately told the story that you're the doer of it. Yeah? So if you practice a beautiful thing like meditation, let's say, but all the while you believe you're the meditator, that meditation isn't freeing anybody. I read this article once in this yoga magazine, and it really caught my attention because it was an editorial by a yoga teacher, meditation teacher, and he'd been teaching meditation for 30 years. And he said all these old students were coming to him and said, you know, after 30 years of practice, nothing radically has has really happened. (laughs) The template of the selfing binds you, yeah? No matter what happens in your life, if it happens to a you, it's the bondage to self. Yeah. It's not like just doing all nice things and staying away from the bad things. That works on a consequential level, but good and bad, yes and no, are all bonding agents to the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah. It's in the absence of this as the subject, it's in the absence of this as the subject, is the presence. Yeah? The presence is here at all times, but it doesn't co- become obvious until this is absent. And, and what I mean, absent, meaning absent as me. Yeah? Not that it's absent, but it's absent as me. In that absence as me, the sense of presence is available. All the time, right where you are, with no requirement necessary. There's no God playing with presence. Yes, There's no mind telling me how far away I'm from it and how close I am from it. All that gets short-circuited and you're in the immediacy in the immediacy of the event, yes? But as soon as you... Let's say, anyone have epiphanies here? You know what an epiphany... Yes? Epiphanies? Anyone? Yes, yeah. yeah, some? There's got to be spiritual seekers. They gotta have, how can you be a spiritual seeker unless you have a few epiphanies on your mantle? Come on. everyone. You know what an epiphany means? An epiphany. It's... <laughs> have you ever made a reservation for an epiphany? Did you call ahead and say, hey... I'm going to have an epiphany this Friday night, uh, around 7 to 9, like they're going to close at 8, i got to get out of there by 9, the place is closing, you know, pump the Kenny G music in, and get the candles, and uh, yes, run the bath, you know, I'll be there for a while. No, you don't ever know what's going to happen, right? It's sort of like an interruption in the linear story of you, you know? and in that interruption, it's an amazing event. But what happens, it usually ends, coincided with this set of thoughts arising. I just had this incredible epiphany. Yeah. This is the the self-centered system. Arising. It went over a big speed bump, which is an incredible event of its own absence, and yet it will claim its own absence as an experience it had. (laughs) It will inform you that you, as a long lasting independent separating, just had this incredible experience of your own absence. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) this is what's happening every second because the innate nature of selfing is absent. The innate nature of selfing as you is absent. The innate nature of selfing is absent every moment. It appears to be present. It only appears to be present. It does ne- it never becomes present. It appears to be present, yes? It's a vague, huge assumption. That's why they call it the sense of self. It's not just a thought, but it's wrapped with a feeling, yeah? It's wrapped with a feeling. That is inherently absent. An epiphany is just a supreme example of that here, with the hopes that maybe it will grab the attention of your mind and, and disengage it from the slavery of self. Really, but the event of an epiphany is showing the the fact of what's happening here. You are have always been and will always be inherently absent. If that's acknowledged now, when you seem to be here, it's the sense of presence. Yeah? It's not an experience of presence. It's the sense of presence. An experience would be shortchanging you. Yeah, the sense of presence is not of time. And it's definitely not about your requirements. It's not about your keeping the commitments that you believe you need to keep to be open to presence. It overrides all of that, yes? It's so obviously so, the mind just shuts down. That's why I like to use the word Zen bitch slap, because it's like throwing a wrench in the works of selfing. A verb can be startled into stopping, yes? If what you feel to be you is produced by a mental verb, it can be stopped, yes? Just like an epiphany does. But you have to see what will happen is it will arise and try to claim whatever ever has happened as if it's happened to me, yeah? Or if I had something to do with it. That's its story. So when people talk about obsession, they always talk about I'm obsessed over something. That's the real obsession, the real obsession is constantly putting a noun into every verb. Yeah? Mental states are just arising and there's the seeing of those mental states. But all those mental states are seeing from a frame called self-centeredness. Yeah? So it takes seeing and turns it into you or me looking. And that's a form of blindness to the seeing. Yes? It takes seeing. It cannot do anything other than claim it because it's not going to stop the scene. It cannot alter the fact of consciousness being in contact. It cannot. So it does the next best thing. It claims it, yeah? And it says, I'm the one who's conscious. And therefore, if you become the one who's conscious, what do you usually entertain? That you're unconscious. Yeah? But if consciousness is all there is, and then its appearance here can be conscious or unconscious, where would be the best, best place to rest? Not in the shifting appearances of consciousness, but in the consciousness itself. And you cannot rest in that as a self. The only thing a self can do is be conscious or unconscious. It's an interpretation of the state of consciousness. It becomes something that's determined by what you do or don't do. So selfing plays God with the state of God. When seeing this, when you see this, and you're not that, that's what you are. You're the seeing. So when I see what's arising, and I'm not that, there's a recognition. I'm not that, that's what you are, is the seeing what I'm not, yeah? The only way you can be what you are here is seeing what you're not, yeah? What you are is all totally complete, but here you can have a sense of what you are by seeing what you're not, yeah? But if the first, the first object takes to becomes the subject, you'll be seeing from what you're not, and you'll never see what you're not, yeah? No way, no way. You can never get behind consciousness. You are never conscious. You cannot become prior to consciousness. It's a, it's a mental manipulation, it's a story. So the verb that is so verbing, it's like, it's like the ultimate noun. All movement, when all there is is movement, it's stillness. Yeah. This little idea is to get behind it and say, I'm the one who's seeing. I'm the one who's feeling. Yet you can't even shit when you want it. But you're claiming the act of existence and being as a verb you and I are doing. Unbelievable. You don't see the bonding quality of that? So you make something that's always so, maybe infrequent for you. Who knows what your mind story is? Maybe you'll be one who never finds the spiritual pot of gold. It'll always be a life of longing and hoping and striving and vigilance. It sounds very noble, but it's a story, yes? And there's thousands of stories, but the dilemma isn't a story. it's the author, the author is where the bondage occurs. A story is a story. If someone comes over your house and tells you a really woeful story, don't you have an innate immunity to it? Because it's not you. No matter how juicy it is, it's you really don't get so absorbed in it as they are. Because it's not your story. Can you imagine if the mind's activity was held the same way? It is not me. Your interest and attention would leave. And I don't know where it would go. You'll find out. But I noticed, for me, it's created a sense of traveling lighter. Yeah. The terrain of my life is going to be whatever it's going to be, but I travel lighter now. I, I is a weird thing to say, but there's a traveling lighter over it. I'm still going to have you know sickness if I'm supposed to have sickness and get jobs or get fired, whatever. But the travel lighter, yes. just cuts the selfing like that before it even starts once there's the sense of being the doer yes there's going to be guilt and shame about what you omitted or what you committed yes and it's very difficult to get out of guilt and shame if it's resting on it's all all resting on the sense of being a personal doer all guilt and shame comes from the idea that you're the doer of an action yes the, the process you want to use to get out of a situation is actually the main action of that system doing and having yeah You're attempting to use the main action that binds you as a doer to try to get out of you of it. So when, no matter what you do it will be used to bind you to becoming the doer. So it's a, you don't believe it can be a spiritual self, Jesus Christ. It thinks it looks great in whites. it licenses. <laughs> Likes patchouli oil. Yes. Vegan, sure, bring it on. Yoga postures, yeah, yeah. It will take advantage of everything it comes in contact with, like Trump Pache said, it's true. The movement is the claim. That's its movement, because it doesn't have a life, so it takes the life that's available. So when I was introduced to this, it, start, it was like I was in the middle of a town hall and my pants fell down. And I was really trying to pull them back up, but I couldn't find any place to hold on to. So I just got used to having my pants down. And it was wonderful. Instead of grabbing a new identity, I just couldn't, it was sort of like, here you are, grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. And you think that's what this does, but when you can't grab, they turn into wings, yes? They have a totally different purpose than you've given it to them. Yeah? and knowing is the booby prize here jesus christ i know <laughs> it's all about finding out isn't it it's like the level of zen mind is the highest level i don't know it's about finding out i know is a mental security so in the morning you wake up and you think you know what the day's going to be isn't that playing god you think you know what you're like, what you're going to be like, what they're like, what's going to be like. It's pontificating constantly. It's like, And yet there's a belief in it. It just plays gone and it produces false evidence that appear real to you all day. Isn't it? False evidence, that's what the acronym in recovery for fear is. False evidence appearing real. Now, false evidence can never be real, but it can appear real to you. Yeah? It cannot appear real. It appears real to you. The you is the main ingredient. Yeah? Not the false evidence appearing real. It has to have a you to appear real too. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not that, see what happens to this system of fear provocation. How it gets produced all freaking day. And most of our fear isn't even fear. It's mental anxiety. Yeah? It's being produced by you thinking about what's not happening. Isn't it? Most of the fear we call fear is mental anxiety. It's actually not happening right now. Hmm? What's the difference? The fear is a valid emotion in the body pr- provoked by a situation now that's taken as a threat to the survival of this, yes? It's made, but it did, that's the basic uh, stock version of traveling as an action figure, yes? But the, the, the mental anxiety is produced out of nothing, if you notice you could be sitting here, and there's no threat right now, but you may be flipping out. Because you're not responding to here and now, you're reacting to what's not happening. Yeah? Your mind has made something important, let's say, and it places it into the future. Yes, And then its opinion is you may not get that, and it's really important that you do get it. It's going to mean everything in your life, let's say. And therefore... When it puts this little object in the future, it starts thinking about it now, yes? And by thinking about it, it produces an effect in your body, yes? Which is sort of, you start contracting, yeah? Your breath gets shorter, your mind starts racing, maybe you start sweating, and you're basically basically oblivious to what's happening now. You get consumed in that mental object from what's not happening. So, you know, like in, G- in the Bible, Jesus raised someone from the dead, Lazarus. It was a pretty big miracle. Yeah. The guy was alive at one time, and then he died, and then Jesus came and raised him. But we're making something out of nothing all day, a bigger miracle than Jesus ever did. We're worrying about something that's not happening and producing an effect now. Yeah, aren't we? Our minds. Most people's lives, maybe eight times in their life, they have the valid emotion of real fear come over them with a threat. But most people are living in mental anxiety, just produced by the mind entertaining what's not happening. Yeah. And what's and anything can happen in what's not happening. You can have cancer next week. You can be destitute. You can your best friend may be sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend next Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Anything can happen there. And I mean anything, as you well know. And yet there's something called what's happening, It and it it only has one little difference between what's not happening. It has one ingredient what's not happening doesn't have, and that is it's happening. Yes? You may not like what's happening, but it is happening right now. Yes? That is the basis of immunity to what's not happening. But if you're living in a present that is not happening, which is a mental presence, Yes? Then you are fully, fully engaged in there, with never a sense of being here, and then false evidence appears real to you. Yeah. So what's not happening overrides what's happening most of the time. Yeah. And what's the- <laughs> happening? So here you go. So let's say so someone's have you you know, can you imagine if someone was was like a professional therapist and he dealt with what's not happening? How how long would he have a job? The first thing he could say to the person, hey, you know what all your worries about? It's not happening. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I spent an hour. I want you to listen to about what I'm worried about. Well, it's not happening. <laughs> Wait a minute. So if it's seen as not happening, what is there else to do? Literally. If you see that what's provoking a mental or a physical or emotional reaction now is actually not happening. What more do you need to do than just to see that? Nothing. You would immediately, your attention and interest would immediately be unbonded to it. Yeah? It's the solution is that it's an imaginary problem. As soon as you think that you have to do something about what's not happening, woo! You'll be engaged and engaged and engaged and engaged mentally, thinking about what's not happening. (laughs) So, I like the idea of expressing or sharing what it looks like what I'm not, yeah? Because you can't describe what we are. It's indescribable. You can't have an experience of it because you are that, yes? You can't become a subject and make what you are an object. To have an experience of it. But you can see what you're not. Yeah? You can see it because you have the ability, because consciousness is available, and you can become conscious of the presence of what you're not, yes? Which is therefore truly absent, and that's the presence, yeah? So the pseudo-presence is seen as absence, and that's the presence, even though you entertain the idea of the presence, if you entertain it as a you, and that you is still present, then the presence will seemingly be absent to you. And it will be based on something you do or don't do, or you have or don't have to get there. But when you see whatever arising is absent of what I am, truly, that's the presence. So we don't know, if it's like there. Don't know if it's there. that we're there until we're no longer there. Yes. And then you don't know it anyway, because you're in it. Knowing is, a diff- knowing is based on an experience. It's, knowing is based on you as a subject, knowing something as an object. The knowing we're talking about here is prior to that. It's not a sense of knowing like we know. Because most of our knowing is based on us as a subject, and, and then everything else is thrown into being an object. This is subjectivity. So right now in this room, everyone is really having the same experience. Everyone could say what's happening is, I'm seeing, yeah? Everyone here, you may be looking at a different object, like maybe you are looking at this object, I'm looking at that object, but the activity is the exact same, I'm seeing, yeah? The eye, let's say, representing spirit, yeah? So consciousness is seeing, so it's I see. And so what's, what's consciousness seemingly seeing? A body, yes? An object. Because the only thing that can be seen is an object, yes? It has to be a thing for it to be recognized. So I'm seeing Amy, this body, Yeah. And so when, I, when someone asks, well, who are you seeing? I would say, I'm seeing Amy, or, and I'd say you, yes? Yeah. So when I'm seeing an object, I say it's you. And yet when the eye is seeing this object, it calls me a you. Yeah? So in this room, we're all you's. Yes? (laughs) Seeing is seeing us as an object, this body. Yeah? From different positions, but we're all you's here. But what happens is, is when you become identified with this you, it's called me. And then the feeling I have, and when something happens to me, it's a whole lot different than when it happens to you. (laughs) Yes? I could care less what happens to you, but I'm incredibly concerned what happens to me. And yet we're both yous (laughs) from the view of I. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when that sense of my, like we always do this in in the meetings I do. You put money up here. Money, yes? Sex and let's say career. And everyone would look at those words, and they'd have a meaning to you, yeah? If you didn't have money, maybe it would mean more than if you did, yeah? If you're not having sex, sex may have a lot of meaning, yeah? And if you don't have a career, whatever. So in a way, everyone would give it different meaning, yes? Career, money, sex. Now, all you need to do is add one little word, and you'll change everything. My money. Oh, give me a break. (laughs) You've written novels up in your head about my money. Now, I don't mean my money, your, you know, your money, which is here. But I don't know. my sex, my career—you don't see the weight distribution? You don't see how mind gives meaning to things? A thought is a thought until it becomes my thought. Yeah. A thought's nature is to come and go, but as soon as it's claimed by the mental process as mine, it's put into an orbit. Yeah. It orbits around the central thought, which is you as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And the story from this planet is the thoughts are driving me crazy. But in fact, it's your gravitation that's keeping them in place. Yes? The thought is just a thought. Why could I have an immunity when a thought appears in your head and you share about it as your thought? Yet the same thought, if I'm holding it as mine, has a huge effect. It's not the thought, obviously. We're having a subjective experience here. What is that but the distribution of meaning? Your apparatus is giving meaning all day to things. All day to things. And the way it conveys meaning to things is M-Y. my. You believe the thought is bringing you a meaning, but you inject the meaning. Not you, but the mental process injects the thought with the meaning, and then the mind opens the thought up, and you think it's from somewhere else. But you projected it, yes? You're conditioning. You don't know what the idea of being Paul means. You have thousands of old ideas up there, tons of conditioning, memory upon memory, coming up with weird opinions and ideas. And as soon as a thought is seen as yours, those download into the thought. Yes? They download into the feeling when it becomes my feeling. They download into the the bodies that are in your life. They download into this body. When this body is my body, holy cow, how many thoughts have been about your body? How many thoughts have been about you this lifetime? How many? Hundreds and thousands of them. Yes? every one of them with added weight. It's like if, let's say, a thought weighed an ounce and you had, let's say, a 1,000 thoughts a day, which they say, some research says you have 70,000 thoughts a day. Let's say 1,000, okay? So each one of them weighs an ounce. So you have 1,000 ounces that you're traveling with every day. Now, you've been traveling with it for quite a while, so you're used to it. When you climb up a mountain, it feels okay, you know, and because it's sort of like, yeah. But then let's say if the thought is my thought, it weighs a pound. Yeah? now see how you travel with a thousand pounds it's going to be a lot different yes the my the my, is the identification as the thinker or they're about me is the bonding agent it's what's weighing you down it's like how many people today went to a cafe and uh, you heard someone complaining about the effects of gravity yeah. Jesus gravity really on my right shoulder it's really been heavy today I see it's been bothering you. You're dipping a little bit. And then we'd have a big conversation about the effects of gravity. Not one of us ever feels the sense of gravity. Yes? Because we've been always feeling it. It would be only by its absence would you know its presence. Yes? The same thing with presence. It's only by this absence as being the one who's present is how the presence is revealed. Yeah. You don't know gravity until you have an absence of it. When you go into one of those places and then you realize, Jesus Christ, there's this pressure constantly on this body all freaking day. That's why it's harder to go, it's easier to go down than to go up. Yeah? Same thing. When this becomes absence, then you have the true sense of the presence. But as long as this is being occupied as you, the presence will be a thing to you, an idea, an experience maybe an event, but always have time as a constraint. You yeah? always will not be everlasting, it will be something that happened and you'll try to find out how it has something to do with you. What did I do? Have you ever noticed when people think they've had an epiphany? They try to do the exact same thing, they go back to the same hotel, and they eat the same peanut butter sandwich, and they listen to the same Kenny G music, and they think, okay, where's the epiphany? They can't seem to produce it, yes? You can't produce it by doing and having. Why? Because you're there. You hear about this great party. As soon as you arrive, it sucks. That's what happens every day. <laughs> you want to be there to get it, but that's not the way it works. Every one of us are just put our foot down on a spiritual turf, and I'm not going any farther. I'm going to be there when it happens. <laughs> I don't say anything to myself. There's no self to say anything to. There's just saying stuff. Yes? There is no one who hears it. There's just hearing. There's no one who the thoughts are about. There's just thoughts about a one. But there's no one the thoughts are about. There's thoughts about a one all day. But there's no one. Yeah? You see? Yes. It's like people. it's obsession, now no obsession. It doesn't matter. Yeah? It's the who's obsessed is the dilemma. Yeah? Because let's say you have 40 problems during the week. There was only one of you who had the 40 problems, yes? Millions of thoughts There's only been one of you that had all the thoughts. Can you imagine the amount of claiming that went on? And every time you claimed something, it was injected with meaning? based on a conditional memory of what you think it should be like, what you think you're like, what you believe others should be like, and basically every, every empty canvas with the colors bleeding from life is splashed with a yellow, Yeah, from your point of view. Everything gets washed out all day, and you're wondering why. You go here, you're here, and then you go to Bangkok, Thailand, and it seems like here in a couple of days. Everywhere you go, it sort of seems like the same place. Because the projection of that basic conditioning just splashes over everything. You can't, you know, a miracle happens, you forget it in an hour, right? But you're pissed off about somebody who did something 40 years ago. It's like a candle vigil every day. Just attention and interest, cultivating it. Yes, my whole life would have been different if that wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Give me a fucking break. Jesus, it's ad nauseum, isn't it? and you're talking about your spiritual condition how good you're doing. It's total selfie, constantly. This is about you lose interest in the need to be liberated. That's the liberation. It's not liberation. You just freaking lose interest in the whole idea that you're bound. Yeah? You lose interest in it. Our trying to get out is reinforcing the belief that we're in. No matter how great, no, but the most expedient means, if there's a feeling like I'm getting out of somewhere, that's being in it. Every escape is an entrance. Every escape is an entrance here. This is like freaking Bizarro World, like in DC Comics, you know, with Superman. Everything is opposite. So you're thinking you're getting out of self, you're in something, <laughs> unbelievably. Have you heard people share about how they're doing? Fucking in the spiritual journey, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> Jesus, go help someone else, <laughs> you know, do some service, <laughs> it's better. it'll do a lot better, I mean, to me, seriously, the unspoken yes in your gut is worth 800 pages of scriptures, when there's a recognition of presence, yes, and it signals your inherent absence, sometimes it will be like an unspoken yes, it's not conceptualized, it's not known, it's just prior to knowing, there's just a sense, and that's that, Yes? Then the mind will present life in all these different forms and ideas, and yet there's an immunity to it. Yes? Because that unspoken yet yeah, yeah, yes is echoing in every moment. Presence is present. There's never an absence of it except when you're present. Then it's absent. Then you have to do something to get it, yes? Isn't it that case? When you sense something is absent, what is it the way you get about to go to It's it by doing and having. That's the way the modality th- holds things. I'm going to do something to get to the presence. But if, you, if presence is everywhere, then why aren't we sensing it? We must be in a special somewhere. Yeah. The special somewhere that excludes everywhere from its little dominion. And maybe we want an experience in the special somewhere of everywhere. But in fact, there's no experience of everywhere because you'd have to be somewhere else to experience everywhere. And there's no journey in everywhere because wherever you started would be everywhere. And when you took a break, it would be everywhere. And when you arrived, it would be everywhere. You see how it totally disarms the mental system? It totally takes the answer out of space and time. It takes that out of doing and having. It takes it out of claiming so you can't have it and lose it. Because most of the time, you'll have one experience where you have it, and the rest of life isn't the experience of loss, losing it, isn't it? Isn't it? You have this peak experience once in your life, and the rest of your experience is interpreted as, I lost it. <laughs> and of course, you're gonna, in self-centeredness, you're going to have a role in it. If you believed you lost, like I was younger, I was with a guru, yeah, in India, and they presented, his followers presented him as the Lord of the Universe, yes? That's a pretty big title, Lord of the Universe. And so there I was with the Lord of the Universe, and my experience was I don't like the Lord of the Universe. Now, in my head, you know what that made me? Woo! Me not liking the Lord of the Universe was not good. (laughs) I was a very, very, very bad person. How could I... This humble person not like the Lord of the Universe. I went through five years of hell. I used to plan on how I could kill him with like a a dart that wouldn't show up the effects until he's 50 yards past the parade. I was just trying to get him out of my life because it was driving me freaking crazy. I wanted to leave, but I wouldn't let myself leave because he's the Lord of the Universe. (laughs) This is insanity. This is what mind does. It takes something that's ever-present all the time and it changes it. It makes it into a thing. So now you're hearing this thing about nothing and your mind makes it something. So nothing now for most of us is something. It's another fucking idea. This is recognizing the system has failed. It's a failed system. Yes? I can never get out of it as the system. And I'll tell you, if the thought process is producing the sense of self, there's no self outside of the thought process. There's no place you're going to transcend to. If you transcended the system that produced you, (laughs) it's an impossibility. You only appear in the mental process. Cats aren't seeing you as a self, I'm sure. Trees aren't. Oh, there's a self, go by. That's a long-lasting independent. I do not think so, yeah. (laughs) You are the one that takes yourself to be yourself. All there is is verbing, 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 verbing. Yeah. There's no noun, no noun to be found. There's no noun that's doing the verb, and there's no noun that's being done to by the verb. It's it's an appearance. It's a transsetting activity of mind. Yeah. And if it's a verb, it can be startled. That's why we call it a pause, a P-A-U-S-E. There's pauses available at all times, yes? Something can cause a pause in that linear story of being you. And then there's a big gap. And in one moment, at one time, maybe instead of emphasizing the story about an experience of that gap, you'll sense that gap as you, yeah? The emphasis will shift, and then the ball game's over. Then... The foreground of all the things and all this being important to you as a thing gets shifted to the background and in the presence that was the background becomes the foreground. Just a simple shift of emphasis. The mind leaves the coordinates of self-centeredness and opens up and has a big, big vision. and you sense a presence, yes? Hopefully in the room you can feel something, something happens. You'll hear notes and you'll see, you sense the silence that allows that note to appear, yes? We do a thing and I'll, we have time, I may as well give them my best show here. All right. All right, so here, let's say there's a chair here. Yes, this chair, here we go. Here's a chair. Now, this chair, a lot of important asses have sat in this chair over the years. (laughs) It hasn't moved moved from that place in this beautiful room for 40 years, yes? There's the chair. Okay? Now, I move the chair. Don't follow where it goes. Just look at where the chair was. How do you know there was ever a chair there? By memory, right? That's what happens with you. You're remembered, actually. That's what the mind's doing. It's remembering you. It's remembering a you. So here's the chair. Now, if I look at the I look at the space, did I have to move some space that was the size of a chair to take you know, to reclaim the space the chair was taking up? In other words, was there an absence of space where the chair was? Or was the chair more like an appearance of the space, yeah. In other words, when I moved the chair, did you see a moment where there was no space and it had the outline of a chair? <laughs> no, no. It's just space, yes? And so if you wanted to find out, all right, I'll know the chair was real by its effects, where would you see the effects of the chair? On the floor maybe, yeah? And maybe it rubbed against the wall and you'd see a bar. But in the space there would be no sign of any effects, would there? To so the space, by, seeing, by looking, you'd never see that there was ever a chair, yes? And the chair could only be conjured up by a memory, and it actually took no space whatsoever. In a way, you could say that the chair is an appearance in the space, yeah? just like this wall is appearing in space. It's not taking up. It's not. It's not. It's not replacing space. It's appearing in space. Yeah. If we took this wall down, we wouldn't have to call a big, you know, factory. Hey, bring me about three hundred yards of space. <laughs> yeah, and put it in here. There would never be an absence of space, would there? It would just be. So this is inherently an appearance. Yeah? This thing would be taken down, the space would still be the same. Same thing. The chair, the only influence it has is on other appearances. Yeah? The floor and the wall. It has no influence on the space. Now, what's the difference between that chair and me, Bill? No. As a you. As a you, I'm an object, yes. Now, you are seeing me. If I walk behind this wall, you wouldn't see me. You would remember me. You would remember, hey, he was just right here. That's right. But you wouldn't be having conscious contact you would be remembering me. You saw me in as a form, and you took that to be me, and now that form's not here, you don't think I'm around. But this form, can I grab the space? Can I grab it? Can I? Where's the neck of space? I'm looking strangled. <laughs> really, yes? I can't really affect space whatsoever. It's like, we are really like space, or let's say, open sky. Like, you ever see the sky? When most people describe a sky, they're actually describing the clouds that are appearing in it. They're not describing the sky because there's, there's nothing to describe. It's just space. Yeah. And if you look at the space, when it rain, when there's a, a storm cloud and it breaks and rains, where does the wetness manifest on Earth? Yeah. It doesn't wet the sky basically. You don't see the sky wet. Do you? It comes here and then wets here. And let's say there's Fourth of July explosions, and but none of them rip the sky open. You can have huge explosions, but the sky doesn't seem to affect the sky. And then if a plane's flying through, you never hear a plane report to the terminal, I ran into a big chunk of sky up here. Yeah. Now, oh, Jesus, we just veered away from that chunk of sky. So really the sky uh, is the space that everything appears in, yes? But what appears in it has no effect on the sky, does it? It has no effect. It appears in it, but it has no effect on it. So in a sense, mind to me is like sky-like, yes, or let's say spacious. And this, and all of this is an appearance in that space, but it has no effect on the space. It's not taking up any space, it's just an appearance in the space. So the medium of space allows us to have an experience here, yes, of things. But the things are not doing anything at all to the space. In other words, they have no effect. Therefore, they have truly no relevance in in regards from the spaces point of view. Yes, that's what the immunity is like. The immunity itself is like that. You have a sense of being the sky instead of the clouds. You have a sense of being the sky instead of the noise of the explosions that provoke a fear. That oh, I got going to get ripped up. All that stuff shifts dramatically because your sense, your your attention and interest is resting on the skylight quality of mind instead of the appearance of mind. And God forbid, you know, to put one appearance of mind as the one who is the, the subject is very, very intense for the poor body operation. Yeah? The poor apparatus just gets totally weighed down. Can you imagine? You ever see when you were a kid and you looked at a bug and you got a magnifying glass? And all you want to do is look at it closer, but you end up burning it yeah? because of the sun hitting it. Our minds, to put all this mind attention on a body as you, it's way too much juice, really. You know, Here's a mind that can entertain eternal peace, and you're worried about 15 hours the hem of your dress or something. You know, At home, what's this... Did they notice my pants were too short? On and on. It's incredible. You know what I mean? It could be entertaining peace, but you're entertaining, oh, is my zipper down? Whatever. What? Jesus Christ. <laughs> but if you think it's about you, there's going to be tons of interest around it. It's like it's going to be very difficult to unwed your interest and attention to this body if it's taken to be you. I'm telling you. It's a fucking impossible activity. But when you realize it's not you, you'll lose interest in it. And then your interest and attention will like be free range, so to speak. You'll just go where it goes and then and you'll find out about life instead of knowing about it. Yeah? You'll find out about it. You'll know you'll find out how it feels when you're yeah, instead of knowing. I know what awakeness is. That's a booby prize. Finding out what it's like every day is cool, eh? Yeah. Any questions? No. Stunned into silence. I love it. Yes. Cool. Oh, jeez. The window was closing. You just got in at the last second. No, you know how you're saying, as soon as you heard the girl talk about somebody else, that you no longer am interested in that? What if you were continuing to be interested in that? It's still not you. Interested. No matter how much interest you have in something, it doesn't produce that there's a you that's interested in it. Yes. There's just different degrees. Yeah. There's a little bit of interest, a lot of bit of interest, but none of it implies truly a you. Yeah. Just entertain you, not that, and see what happens. Yeah. Find out. See. I found you'll know the problem by the solution. It's the only way to really know the problem is by the solution to it. Yeah, you get you start traveling much lighter and then you're on to something. I found in my own procedure, if you want to call it that, that a lot of the a lot of the trance is based on interest and attention. And that interest and attention is wedded to whatever you think you are. That's what it is. It's very difficult to break that focus beam by still being that object it's focused on. Yes? It's very difficult to break it. If you're not that, it gets freed. Yeah? And then the interest and attention will, like, sort of seed your life in a different manner. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You know, like uh, the seven chakras. I've heard of them. The sixth one's the third eye. Yeah. Because any playing doesn't imply a you. Yes? So when there's a seeing of playing God, if there's a seeing of playing God, there's never a you that was playing it. So mind can be playing God all at once. It's the sense of being the you that's doing it is, the, is to me the bondage. It's not the activity of mind. It's not whatever's happening. It doesn't, it's secondary to if it's happening to you or from you. That to me is the initial place to look, not what's happening. There's playing God. That's what the mental process does. But part of it's playing God. It it creates a sense of being someone who's doing it, yeah? And of course, if there's a someone who's doing it, you may have a strong feeling you shouldn't be doing it. (laughs) And then you'll play God about that. (laughs) Oh, there'll be a playing God about that, yes? And the self being just geometrically progresses. Yeah. Yeah. But if you just see things as, see, whatever arises cannot possibly be you. Whatever can be seen isn't what's seen. Yeah. Whatever can be seen is not what's seen. Yes, definitely. Definitely. The seeing is always happening, but if there's a feeling of a one seeing it, that's a form of looking, and that's a sense of blindness, really. That's how we stay blind to the seeing, is the seeing is claimed to be a someone looking. That's how it is. It can't get rid of the seeing, but it claims it. It turns it into a form of looking, let's say called self-centeredness. So it piggybacks on the seeing, but you don't see the seeing because you're in, engaged in the, like the, it's sort of like a painting that's been painted over. There's like a masterpiece underneath, but when you look at the painting, you see the, like the howdy doody face that's been painted over it. Yes. So there's the beauty, there's the seeing, but most of us are in a movement of mind called self-centeredness, which claims the seeing and turns it into a form of looking called self-centeredness. In other words, it's a form of looking that whatever is seen is seen as how it pertains to you. Yes. This is incredible self-centeredness. Yeah. So it's a working system. But all systems rely on the seeing. There's no life without it. There's nothing that could occur without the seeing. Yeah? So the, what it does is it claims it. Yeah? By, by producing a sense of being a you that now does or does what always is so as a verb. Yes. I'm doing something and I'm really conscious today. Yes. And then I did something yesterday and I'm really unconscious. That's like taking consciousness and making it into a verb as you as the noun, yeah? Yeah, you see it. In the seeing of it, that you're not seeing from it, and you'll get a hit on that, yeah? When you're seeing something, there's a very, very deep understanding in your gut that I must not be that if there's a seeing of it, yes? When you're seeing from it, there's a... If you're seeing from it, it's like there's you're, you believe the, first, the second knot is the first knot, yeah? You're not, there's a, you believe everything starts here, which is not the case. Nothing started, yes, here. There's all going on, selfing, verbing, everything is going on, yeah? There's no noun to be found. It's the noun, it's like we're saying, for something to to swirl around something, it has to be a something. Once there's a noun made, the water that seems to be flowing can start going around it, Yes? Just like barnacles, we talked about last night, the barnacles of old ideas and and ha- mental deep mental grooves and habits may be driving supposedly you crazy, and to try to pull barnacles off is very difficult. But if there isn't a rock for the barnacles to latch onto, how much trouble will the barnacles cause? They need a rock to lodge onto. If the rock, which is the idea of being a long-lasting independent separate entity, is seen through, the barnacles have no place to latch onto. There's no place to anchor. Yeah? So selfing is going on. It anchors on the idea of being a noun. Yeah? So all these flows, now they're f- happening to you. And so something that has the nature to come and go is now in orbit around you. So you think you've gotten over something, and then four years later it shows up again. It's just got a big orbit. Other orbits is about, you know, like, how you look all day, It's short orbits. But they're all being held by the gravitational pull of self in. A solar system needs a sun, yes, to go around. In this little mental solar system, you play the role of the sun. I'm all there is. It's me. I'm the doer and the have I'm seeing. I'm hearing. I'm feeling. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like it? It's a work. When you first uh, entertained this this story that you're telling about, like, when your pants were down, did uh did you go through like a period where your body just like killed? I mean, like you know, if like, you've had all this like, contraction, yes, like yes throughout yeah. your whole life, yeah, did you go through like a period where I don't really like to talk about that because I don't th- a lot of times when people hear something, they start using that as a way of excluding yourself from it. Like, oh, that hasn't happened to me, therefore it hasn't happened to me yet. And there's no need for any event. It's always happening at all times. But what occurred with me was I went through like a nine-month thing that was very uncomfortable, extremely, you know, for the apparatus, very uncomfortable. Cause I was disengaged and everything was like a—it was like a, an itch that never stopped. Yeah, and you know, my mind was flipping out, uh, you know, and my body was flipping out, you know, spasming and crying and all like this. Yeah, it was like—and then it was there was a real sadness because you're leaving like a tribe in a way. You know? Everyone else is crazy. There's a fondness you—you you tend to really. You know, there's a thing that yeah, you know, you don't want to the of you do like, you have a difficulty being around so called people. You know? like, I would I say they probably have, have do more do of a good. difficulty being around me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I don't see that many people all the time. Yeah. I don't. Well. But I do, you know, I have a lovely friends and other lovely friends with lesser degree of meaning. <laughs> 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 you know, yeah, I'm all right, but I uh, <laughs> I have a lot of passions. I surf a lot and stuff, and I'm I'm in the water, and I that's a real engagement. The apparatus loves the water, so you know. And the thing is about this invitation is you really can enjoy peace of mind and what other things. Yeah, you really enjoy. And actually, in a weird way, you're more of an individual not being an individual. It's true, really. You're more of an individual when your mind stops trying to be one. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. was uh, in service and to others. Is that part of your recipe? Uh, well, now we're getting into a whole other thing. But for me, I come from recovery, so my conditioning needs service as the apparatus. The type of the type of mental uh, uh, positioning I'm in is an extreme division of self-centeredness. Extremely obsessed with self, <laughs> so one of the the, uh, the ready-made uh, remedies here is to get out of oneself by being of service to others. So uh, yes, I've had a, a lot of service opportunities in my life because it's needed as a remedy, yeah, for the apparatus, for this apparatus. I'm not talking about what we are. You have there's an apparatus that has its own little needs and everything. Yes, and this apparatus. This mental bent of this apparatus needs service, yeah. Service keeps it healthy. It's like an exercise. Yeah. But I love service. That's why a lot of times I'll be at talk and I'll